find an informative podcast all about training working dogs? Look no further than the LWDG Pod Dog. This weekly show is hosted by me, Joe Parrott, founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group. And I chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or you've been working with dogs for years, this podcast will have something for you. So pull up a chair, pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to LWDG Pod Dog. Let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. Welcome to another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. In this episode, we are going to be discussing what you need to do with your dog after a busy season has ended. So as you've seen from the name of the podcast, How Do I Tell the Dog That the Season's Over? I have with me LWDG group experts, Abby Reed and Emma Stevens, who are going to tell us how we transfer our dog from a high busy, high energy time of training and exercise down to a calmer season. So how are you ladies? Yeah, all good, thanks. Yeah, all good here. Yeah, I'm, I'm also fine, ready to um, put my dogs into boot camp. <laughs> so obviously, both of you have come out of an incredibly busy season yet again. Both of you work your dogs in the field and are very much focused on running the team. So for yourselves, you're taking a lot of dogs that have been exercising quite a lot for long durations through the day and then bringing them into a, a maybe a little bit of a calmer way of life. And other people listening to this might just have the one dog who's going through the same. But what is sort of the um, way that you take your dog from the sort of six, seven hour days down to maybe an hour's training? So for me, I I give them a little bit of time. Um, I give them a bit of a break. So as soon as the shoot season finishes, they'll have a week to two weeks where it's just sort of structured but free walking which I know in another podcast we've discussed free walking and I think we're going to do it in a little bit more detail but um so they just have a bit of kind of downtime where they go out a couple of times a day and it's just sort of fun with me no real pressure no real training um before I actually start back kind of with boot camp um where I rectify everything that's kind of gone um a little bit wild in the shoot season and you are being yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with exactly what Emma said. My dogs have sort of about a week or two weeks off from official training to decompress from all the excitement of the season. So I take them on um, normal walks, but as Emma said, also the walks with rules. So recalls not negotiable, heel works not negotiable, but I do let them kind of just be dogs for a couple of weeks and then the training restarts. So for both of you, obviously your dogs are quite fit anyway through the training that they do through the spring, summer, or you know, but obviously they're getting really, really peak condition through sort of winter because they literally are working vast amounts of hours. What is it like for a dog coming from that amount of work into like a slower paced season? Well, you really, I really noticed with mine, actually, it, they do actually take two or three, maybe four days where they actually sleep loads after the last day. They are, they are actually tired. Obviously, if we went picking up, they would be up for it, but they're actually exhausted. So, you know, they're quite happy to stay at home and, and rest. But, you know, probably after a week or so, they're back to, well, OK, what we're we doing now? Like, why aren't we going out? So that's the time you have to go right now it's time to start training okay so watching the dog to see when they have sort of caught up a little bit like I suppose 
Women's Word, and then they start indicating to you, actually, I'm ready to get back to doing a little bit more now. Yeah, yeah. They start to become, well, I, I guess, like a little bit annoying around the house. Like, whereas for those few days while they're tired, they're sort of like sleeping or just mooching, they'll start to pick things up again or they'll start play fighting with each other. It's like, okay, actually, you've got excess energy again. Okay. And during this time, you've sort of written yourself a little program of all the things that went wrong during the shoot season because there will be stuff. I'm sure Emma would agree. She's laughing. Um, you know, stuff that you think, oh, okay, you knew that in September. By January, you seem to have forgotten it, you know, but is, that's what happens with picking up dogs. So you've kind of written yourself a long list of things that you need to start practicing or revisiting, and that's when to start it. I totally, I totally agree with that. I think mine definitely let me know when they're ready to kind of recommence. And, and that could be a few days for some of them that are very highly driven. It could be a couple of weeks for some of them, um, depending on their age, their breed, the temperament. Um, and then as soon as they're sort of ready to go, like, like Abby, I'll have sort of sat down and pulled all the training apart and pulled all the dogs apart and and gone right actually this is what this dog needs this is what this dog needs um and kind of formulated a program that I can then go right well if a couple of them need this kind of exercise I can jointly do that and jointly focus on that with all of them together some of them might need work on their own I know for me definitely straight lines go out the window because they spend so much time free hunting straight lines to them unless there's actually something moving for them to run onto um, as a runner straight lines just don't exist anymore they get about 10 yards away from me and start free hunting and uh, for mine it's the biggest thing for mine is actually the whistle um so the the end of a drive whistle or horn or whatever my dogs get really really used to that noise and although they don't run in they start getting sort of the 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 early stages of unsteady that I would start to kind of be like right no you need some more steadiness now um so that's when I go out training with with Tom's horn and start um just blowing the horn off while they're while they're sat doing nothing with dummies being thrown around them and stuff like that and things so yeah that's that's sort of my my off-season plans so we all sort of get this idea in our heads that, you know, especially if we're new to, to training a working dog, they're like, by the time we take them out on a on a shoot, that they're going to be like foot perfect going in and they're going to stay like that all the way through. But that isn't the case, is it? No. Definitely not. I mean, I don't know if, if you've ever heard, uh, we call it an our shoots, actually, you bought Feral Beryl out. So like, you know, Feral Beryl. Okay, she's amazing at picking up birds, and that's actually what you're there for. But actually, you know, sometimes you might as well just sit in the car, you know, for the amount they're actually listening to you. So, I mean, that's worst case scenario. But yeah, you just you you've always got something to work on at the end of the season. I think yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the, for me, if you any any picker up your requirement is for your dogs to find those birds. That is your sole job is to pick the runners during the drive. If that's the type of shoot that you're on runners during the drive. And it's then basically free hunting They're, they're as, as good a picker up as you can be. There is no way you can mark an exact location for every single bird going down on a drive, which means you have to have that confidence to rely on your dog, which means they spend probably 80% of their time. At least mine do free hunting and using their own nose with no directional help from me at all to then go actually now you need to sit steady and retrieve in a straight line and things like that they they will lose that kind of stuff because they spend all season doing the fun stuff so you will have to revisit 
all of your basics every summer to get them back at the level that they were in that September when you go in nice and steady listening to you concentrating on the lines that you put them on and all of that sort of stuff but you will see a decline in it over the shoot season purely from them working and using their own initiative I think I think yeah Emma you you hit the nail on the head there I think you mentioned the word basics so at the end of the season your dogs were bred you know spaniel hpr labrador is bred to go and pick birds up okay that's what they're meant to do but at the end of the season you need to revisit all your basics okay i know all of my team we've done like i think over 65 days this year out picking up you know and you know they've been amazing they've done the most amazing retrieves but often it's off their own back they've got on a runner i didn't teach them how to pick a runner it's just what they do Okay, so you need to revisit all the basics once, you know, February the 2nd is here. So your sit, stay, your heel work, your recall and all your basic manners will need to be put back in place to varying degrees. It depends on the drive of your dog and how many days you've done. But pretty much that's what I'll be doing for the next four or five months. And if you think about it, so you've got like you both talk in the able runners which are sort of birds that have been wounded but need to be dispatched quite quickly so on a, probably you know every shoot if there's a, a bird that's a runner you send out pick it up team will send out straight away to dispatch that bird ethically and quickly but it then depending on your shoot picking up the other birds the dead birds will depend on some shoots allow you to do it during shooting some depend say no wait until the end of shooting so it's about people know what's going on in their shoot as well, how the dog is going to respond, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, shoots where you pick up all the way through, um, your dogs are, they have an immense amount of control because obviously they've, they've got to not swap. They've not got to like pick and spit out and pick something different up. They've got to work around other dogs also picking and not mug off each other and stuff like that. So there's an, there's an immense amount of control and they've got to stop when you tell them to stop as well. So there is the control there even on the shoot day that's required of them. But equally then the minute they hear shot or they hear, or they see something fall, that steadiness that you've worked so hard to do will go out the window. So that's almost what you'd need to spend your summers doing there is actually just constantly sitting your dog up and throwing stuff around them with shot going off and things like that. If you've got access to that, whereas you regain a little bit of steadiness, if you've got a shoot where um, dogs are required to be sat waiting and only be sent on runners um during the drive you, you still regain a little bit of steadiness but but again your dog will prefer to free hunt I mean Abby said she did six over 65 days this season if you imagine if an intense period of time you literally let your dog free hunt on every walk and then suddenly when actually I, I want you to heal to that walk they're gonna go mm, no thanks I don't really want to do that because I've been free hunting for the last 65 days so I know the shoot season's over a, a longer period of time but it's still quite an intense environment for them to be working in that then you go, actually, I want some control back from you, or this is slightly starting to annoy me and I've not had the time to rectify it on the shoot day or during training out of shoots, out of, um, off the shoots and things like that. So it, it's usually like for me, little niggly annoying things that I go, actually, I need to fix that because actually that's starting to wind me up um, that I haven't had the opportunity to fix on a shoot day. So going on from that, obviously you have this sort of list of like potentially Again, knowing that the foundations were there at the beginning of the season, it's just revisiting that training. So is it a case of, like you said, um, and like you said, Ari, just 
just going out with our list and saying, right, I've got, uh, I'm trying to think February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September-ish, roughly, eight months to sort of put back, put that, that back. Is you plan for those months or is it hopeful you'll get them, those sort of commands back in place in a couple of months ready for the summer? How do you prepare the dog ready for next season? I think I think if your dog has already learned the basics before you went on the shoot, they're already in there, they're already programmed, they'll actually, you know, be able to show you those behaviours, those um, training that you did will, would come out quicker. You know, if you took a dog on a shoot who has not learned steadiness, has not learned self-control, actually getting that back in February would be a lot harder. So... So it's all to do with how tr- well trained your dog was before you went into the shoot as to how quick those behaviours, you know, come out in your training after the shoot. Yeah, I agree. I would expect my kind of my delivery neatness and my steadiness and my heel work and my sits and weights without sort of bum shuffling and hovering and things like that. I would expect all of that to come back probably within like a month to six weeks and have it back solid so that then I can work on the more difficult bits that I want to sort of regain back control, maybe like straight lines over distances, straight lines over obstacles stop the free hunting as much and make sure that they're trusting my lines again and things like that, that would then come into the summer. And don't forget if you're on grouse as well, you've only got till the middle of August. So um, that's not an awful lot of time from, I know they finish earlier than the pheasant shoot season finishes, but obviously most people that go on grouse then continue into the winter onto pheasants and partridge as well. So their season's August to the end of January, if they're going back onto pheasant. Um, So then they've got a much shorter period of time to, regain that control back but yeah like abby said if you've if you've put those basics in they'll be quicker to come back out it's almost just like dusting dusting off a, an old box basically that that they'll when you open it they'll re they'll re-remember what they've been taught um another thing i also do is when i do the odd bits of training during the shoot season i do put them on dummies um because i find then i don't get dogs that have only had game that then refuse dummies and blink dummies when i come back to the when i come back to february yeah, and, and kind of just, just to add to that, during this sort of like time immediately out of the shoot, I never think, especially with my young dogs, I'm going to teach them anything new. So I go back and consolidate all my basics. So I wouldn't come to February and go, oh, yes, let's go forge ahead and teach like my young puppy something that he's never done before. Not puppy, young dog that's just been, had it, perhaps had his first season. I go, do you know what? I'm going to spend six weeks consolidating that you may have just, you know, conveniently forgotten. Get those basics back in and then, you know, in a couple of months time go, now you're ready to learn something new. So that new skill will be in your dog for the next season. So obviously, like, so we're talking there about, like you said, a young dog gone out, done his first season. And then obviously, like, I know that we've talked about this in some of the dog and ducks. That, that first season for a dog can almost to a certain extent make or break it, can't it? If it's, if it's completely lost his head all the way through it and it's been an absolute uh, nightmare for both you and and the dog, it, it can be quite a lot to get, that, to get back from there, isn't it? Yeah, and I think for me, I want to make sure that that dog comes down nice and calmly, um, which is why they have that break. Um, but then also I start same as Abby with with the easy stuff I want that dog to come back into a training environment and be succeeding not failing over and over again because it's still sort of in 
in shoot hunting mode. Um, so for me, it would be very, very easy if I was doing any retrieves at all, it would be very easy scene retrieves, um, nothing too complicated that I didn't think that they were able to have to, to deal with. I'd proof the stop whistle again before I tried to use it on, on a retrieve and things like that. So just kind of I'd almost go back and treat them as a puppy and bring them all the way through. And I, I often do that for some of my older dogs as well, because as we know, as the dogs get older, they learn their, their trade a little bit better and, and they actually become a little bit more headstrong and sometimes a bit more difficult to, to retrain and regain that control. So again, I, I treat them all as if they're puppies, go back to walking in straight lines, walking around cones, place board training and on all of that stuff. They all go back to real, real basics that I know they're capable of so that we can go into the summer as a team again, rather than a constant battle of you will listen to me and you will do this. It's, it's more of a, right, we've started off easy. You're succeeding. Let's, let's start making this more difficult again and get you back to the standard that I know you're, you're capable of. Yeah. And, and, and to add to that, I think, um, you know, I totally agree with Emma there. Even my open dogs go right back to basics after the shoot season, you know, cause my open dogs are slightly older. They've spent the whole season, you know, doing amazing runners and, hunting hedges like I didn't know birds were there they're bringing back birds you know but actually they've got a little bit headstrong so even my open level dogs actually we go right back to basics you will walk to hill for how many paces you know you will stop on every whistle make it rewarding make it fun but you need to kind of rein them back in so they're on the same page as you I'll be honest you with my first ever pup of my own I think as well, this is probably a lot of people will be able to sort of associate with this. In the house, before he ever went out to the live game, he was like the dream pet. Now, I, he gave me a sense of disillusionment, okay, because he could get stuff out of the washing machine, he would go get dummies, he would go get balls. He was like, I was like, this is a breeze. This whole Gandalf training thing is a breeze. And then, probably maybe my era, my keenness, 100% probably is my era. My dad was going dogging in before, and everybody dogging in sounds a bit different to what it is. <laughs> dogging in is, is just moving birds to where they're meant to be before the season starts. Um, and we went, I went along with him with this young pup, and dad's dogs were older and far better trained. And as soon as he saw the birds and something and the smell, something in the lot of it, it was like somebody twisted a switch. And when he... He didn't go miles from me, but everything, like calling him back, everything straight away was a struggle. And I think for those of us who are new to it all and we've been training and we're getting all ready and all excited about the season, the actual season will absolutely change a dog's way of listening to us, won't it? Yeah, I mean, for me, I I spend those first six weeks after their break reminding them that we started this as a team. <laughs> that's that's what that's what happens is you start as a team and then your dogs go self-employed especially if they're picking up because you need them to do that for them to actually do their job and for you to get invited back beating's a little bit different um but you will still get a level of a dog doesn't listen to that turn whistle because they know there's a bird on the left hand side so they're not going to come across to the right yet because they know there's a bird in there so little bits start to start to waver in in the beating line as well where your dogs pull on a little bit further they maybe won't listen to the turn whistle as much as quick 
the stop whistle becomes a little bit delayed as well um, because they might stop for an instant to flush and then carry on hunting. Whereas actually you want them to stop and hold that position, which they would have done back in October. But now we're in January. They're actually like, no, I want to carry on going. I want to carry on hunting. Um, And you'll probably find that their keenness to go into cover as well in the beating line will get better as well, which then means they're obviously out of sight for a lot of the time as well. So you don't actually know where they are or what they're doing. You can kind of just hope that they're near you by the bushes rustling. Um, so even in the beating line, you will re- you, you will have to regain that bond and realize and, and let your dog realize that actually you started it as a team and, and you need to regain that teamwork back, not that they do it and you go along for the ride. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. Um, I mean, I when I pick up, I go with like three, four, five dogs. Okay, you know, and I, I've hopefully I've trained them well enough that when they go out sweeping, you know, free hunting, you know, they, they pick a bird, come back. But I can't physically keep my eye on three, four, five dogs when they're off in the woods. So I'm just hoping that all my training and my underpinning learning that I put into them before we went out will still be there. But there's always one little one. I don't know if Emma will agree in your little team that goes, do you know what? I think I go a little bit further today. Because, you know, mum's not watching, you know, so at the end of the end of the day, that dog's bought back lots and lots of birds, but actually maybe been a little bit self-employed doing it. So those are the ones you need to go. Actually, February the 2nd, you sunshine, you're back to heel. You know, you've been great for the keeper. You've been great for the shoot and shoot and the picking up team. But actually now you need to come back to being under my sort of guidance, you know, and this is where you're going to be listening to me. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Mine, I've when I've picked up, it's been between sort of two and five dogs again, depending on the size of the day and and whether I've got a, a small child attached to me and stuff like that. But I've definitely noticed my, with mine, it's been like a a delay on the recall if I want them to stop. So if we're going to the next drive and they're still hunting. Um, again, like Abby said, most of the time they spend out of sight and I've got to trust that they will pick a bird and just and, and come and find me um, because I can't be on that recall. So by the time they get to a shoot season, they need to be able to retrieve and come back without a recall whistle because they need to know that that is what you do when you've got something in your mouth. You go and find your owner. Um, and I've noticed calling them off once I've finished the area that for me has been my biggest thing that's what we'll be working on this season is is going right now you need to stop hunting there's nothing there there's nothing left you need to come away with uh, away with me and we're going to the next drive so yeah that that for me will be the thing and it will be a lot of heel work and letting them maybe hunt some areas and then recalling them off when there's nothing, when I know there's nothing left of dummies and stuff like that, or even calling them off when there is a dummy left. I need to know that I can call them regardless of whether they think they know better than me. When you're a new or a novice handler and you're taking out a novice dog, most of us start in the dog world with the novice, the dog's novice, everyone's a novice. Um, it is frightening, isn't it, when they start going to those like big stop, went out of sight because they need to as part of their job. But you haven't got that sort of scenario. It's not a training field scenario where pretty much you can see them all the time and you know where the dummies are, you know what's going on. You are going to have to have a lot of confidence in your training that the dog is doing the right thing and then is going to come back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we actually we take novices out with us um, and a lot of them will be kind of like lining them out and sending them and, and getting them to come back with that one bird. And I'm like, let them go. And they're like, yeah, but you tell us all the time not to let them do this. And I'm like, no, but that's because you you need the control before you let them do it. But eventually you have to let them do it. Um, and you'll see a novice handler, especially picking up, you'll see a novice handler 
still very overhandling their dog out on a shoot day because they're so worried about it messing up, not coming back, bogging off and hunting and not not retrieving anything or stealing off other dogs or anything like that. And the same in the beating line, you'll hear you'll hear the person in the beating line, they'll be the one constantly on the two pips and the stop whistle because they're trying to handle the dog in the situation as if it was a training environment. And actually at that point, you've got to trust that you've decided to take your dog on that day you've got to have the faith that the previous stuff is in there somewhere and will come back out when you need it to on a shoot day. I am the overhandler. <laughs> Without good overhandler. I calmed down on the whistle because somebody asked me one season if I was trying to have a rave. So I was like, it's <laughs> in time for us. But yeah, um, the novice uh, days that you talk about, Emma, they're fantastic. I know in the LWDG, we're going to try and do a couple across the across the UK through the se- before the season starts or just as the season starts so they'll hopefully be coming up soon but Abby do you see that as well new people they're going out and they just like pip in they, they panic in they they, they yeah. far dog aren't they yeah of course they're panicking because they've gone there with it with a dog they've spent hours with and they've got all these grand ideas but all, I think all you just need to remember is you're there to get your dog to an area and then you have to say, unless you've marked the birds down yourself, you have to say to your dog, it's over to you. You've got the nose, you've got the legs, you know, you need to go and find me those birds. Obviously, you do all your straight lining and you do your stop whistles and handling exercises for the runners. OK, or maybe the runner that your dog hasn't seen. So it's a blind. But literally, I'd say, I don't know if Emma would agree, 80 percent of my time picking up is my dog's. One or two might have gone for a runner during the drive, pick it, come home. Okay. But the other 80% of the time, the dog sat next to me at the end of the drive. I literally just say, find it, you know, and it's then up to them to go sweeping and do their bit. As Emma said, no mugging, no swapping, find something, come straight back. For a novice handler, you have to let go of a little bit of control and say, the keeper needs the birds. So over to you. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. And I, I know for, for sure the novices that have come with, with us this year have have gone, oh, your dogs are hardly ever with you. And once the drive's obviously finished. Um, and I'm like, no, actually, if they are with me, we've got an issue because it means there's no birds. Um, if they if they choose to come off hunting and come back to heal with me, it means they've either done their job or there's nothing that's been shot. Um, I need them. I want them completely away from me and out of sight doing their job. When when I've given that command, as Abby said, hers is find it, mine's lost. Um, but the rest of the time, it, it's 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 a mix of a steadiness for the during the drive. There's the odd straight line for the runner, and then it's it's a lot of sweeping. Probably like I say, the same as Abby said, eighty percent eighty percent free hunting, which is why you can then think actually after sixty five days of eighty percent of their day free hunting you then go, hmm, you're going to heal now. It, it's, yeah. it's hard work. Or you're going to actually, you can go free hunting, but you're going to do it like in the same county as me. Well, it wasn't that bad with my dogs, but do you know what I mean? Like, you know, so, so somewhere vaguely in the same field that I'm in, you know, and then you make it really rewarding for them to come back. Because obviously, let's face it, a dummy's not as exciting as a bird. So, you know, you're you're standing there with all, whatever your dog finds rewarding. So when he comes back with whatever, what, you're working with actually it's it's good for him to come back I think as well it's really really difficult for people that live on shooting estates to do the off season because obviously there's still like if I go out now with mine 
other than the guns, they'll still think it's a shoot day because there's still the scent on the ground. There's still the birds around. For them, it's it's not a different environment. I haven't been able to remove them from the environment to work on those those aspects that I want to work on. So for them, they have to train in the same environment that half the year they spend or four months of the year they spend free hunting and seven months of the year or eight months of the year they spend listening to me and being at heel and doing their straight lines regardless of the fact that there's a pheasant just walked across them for a dummy. Um, so yeah it's it's really hard and I think anybody that that is listening to this that lives on an estate will probably share that that if they don't get to come away from that environment that again adds a challenge to it as well um a lot of people think it's amazing that we get to live and expose our dogs to this environment but actually it can be a real hindrance when we want to get that control back that the to the dog nothing's changed so why would they need to change their behavior I can completely understand that and like you said the scent is everywhere you're at a a disadvantage a little bit that like you said your dummy is never going to be as rewarding as that scent has been all season so it's, it's that constant fight as well i know we're going to at some point ladies uh, we spoke about this funny enough last night in dog and duck we're going to try and do like a workshop or master class on how to stop dogs mugging each other and how to get it you can throw out um a dummy find out who's going to get it first and not mug each other when they come back so more details will come out on that shortly but um I'd like to wrap this up by saying thank you very much for your honesty with this one because I think a lot of people, they genuinely think that taking a dog out out on a shoot, they've got to be perfect and that coming out the other end, they've got to be perfect and going in, they've got to be perfect and everything's got to be perfect and having an honest and frank conversation about the fact that you guys, who we see as as our experts, as our uh, role models, you have the same struggles in, that we do with our dogs and that our dogs, when they do these things, are just the same as every other dog when they're in those um, situations. So big thank you for that. Thank you for everyone for listening. And we hope you join us next week for another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. Thank you for listening to LWDG Pod Dog with me, Joe Parrott. Now, we all know training a dog takes time, energy and patience, but our lives can be really, really busy. Don't worry, the LWDG has got you covered. Join us for our free planning workshop where we'll show you how to use short 10-minute training sessions each day to fast-forward your dog's education. Our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot. Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, The Ladies Working Dog Group, and click on the pinned post or visit www.thelwdg.com. Thank you.